You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest is Nathan Jones, CEO and founder of Clear Inc. It's spelled X-L-E-A-R. Clear. Well, it doesn't sound like it should be pronounced uh, clear, but it's, you know, the word xylophone. uh, The X becomes a Z. So X's are kind of weird. But uh, X gives you the idea that the, uh, the secret sauce... Uh, among other ingredients in uh, spry dental products and clear nasal products is uh, the sugar alcohol xylitol. And xylitol has uh, remarkable uh, properties that we've discussed in part one, uh, where it can inhibit uh, bacteria, viruses, uh, even in some cases fungi, uh, but without the devastating effects of uh, strong antiseptics like chlorhexidine, which are popular in dentistry, uh, and, you know, some of the antibiotics that you spray up your nose or take orally. Uh, So, uh, Nate, you know, you've rolled out some very promising information about the role that these might play in preventing respiratory infections and preventing dental infections. Um, However, in this current environment, you know, where the, the word disinformation and misinformation figures so prominently. Uh, and there's so much uh, social media censorship and even uh, government uh, attacks on people who purport to uh, have ideas, uh, novel ideas outside the realm of the pharmaceutical industry about how to uh, prevent or treat uh, some of the challenges that we have today, in particular COVID. And I think COVID has created sort of a moral panic that we want to suppress misinformation uh you've gotten caught in kind of a uh um a legal battle with uh our federal government in terms of getting the word out about this well i have but you know you missed if you're if you're watching or paying attention to any of these hearings that are going on with our government you missed the best one of those words not misinformation yeah or or disinformation. Yeah. You you forgot to mention the mal information. Have you heard that one yet? That's taken it up a notch. <laughs> I know, but but what mal information is? It's true information oh. that the government doesn't want shared because it varies from their narrative. Oh, there you go. And I didn't come up with that. The government came up with that. That was it when they were doing all the Twitter file hearings. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, with Congress, that's yeah. that's what they started calling it. True information yeah. that they wanted censored because it didn't fit their narrative. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, and, I, I mean, I think uh, an example of which might be uh, your true information about people who've had vaccine side effects. I mean, you know, uh, regardless of whether you think they're exceedingly common or whether they're relatively uncommon, no question they exist. And they actually acknowledge that this was true information, but they said, well, yeah, but this might discourage people from taking the vaccine. So let's kind of let's kind of put the lid on this information, right? That's malinformation. Yeah. It's true, but inconvenient. Yes. And and the information about respiratory hygiene, about washing your nose, according to our government, that's probably going to fall into that category, too. Yeah. Because we've known for decades that washing your nose, I mean, we've known for 150 years that washing your hands helps. We've known for decades that washing your nose helps. Uh, even on, and this is the, the interesting part, is that our public health, our CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, um, they had it on their webpage that the best way to treat a respiratory coronavirus infection was through nasal hygiene, washing your nose, physically reducing the viral load of that coronavirus in your nose. Mm-hmm. And, and when we pointed that out to the FTC, a couple of weeks later, that all got taken down off of the CDC's webpage. Wow. Wow. So you you said, oh. hey, well, to just to reiterate, you pointed out that they published information that suggests that. And then when they got outed on that, suddenly that information disappeared. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Whoa. Correct. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, to, to put this in perspective, you know, and, and, you know, you're a physician, so I'm, I'm assuming you know this. But the common cold is kind of a catch-all for a bunch of respiratory viruses. Mm-hmm. About 30 to 40% of those colds are caused by coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. Coronaviruses, okay. adenoviruses, and rhinoviruses are the basic types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so on the CDC's webpage, it actually had this. And this is prior to COVID-19. Right. But they actually had on there that said the best way to treat a respiratory coronavirus infection was through nasal hygiene. That's when before COVID-19, COVID became a hot button. Then then COVID-19 became a hot button issue. And because with, with, yeah. if it were if it were about codes, it'd be relatively innocuous information. That'd be okay. Yeah. Correct. But when COVID started, you started getting all these articles that were published in the medical literature, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, where you had physicians writing and saying, we should be talking about nasal hygiene. We should be talking about saline sprays. We should be talking. I mean, they had articles about baby sh- using baby shampoo, using iodine, using xylitol. They had articles using, um, I said iodine, chlorofeniramine. I mean, all of these different things that they've done studies on mm-hmm. that show that it has a positive result. And the government actually went after each of these companies. They sent them warning letters yes. telling them not to share these studies. Right. What, Not what, just us. And this is, we're talking in early 2020. What could be the possible rationale for suppressing this information? Is it so that people are not are, are not deterred from seeking uh, conventional medical treatments for COVID or that they're not deterred from taking the vaccine? Well, why, why do that? I, I actually, I have no idea. I, right. I, I have wrestled with that, obviously, because you have... You have lawyers at the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, who are out there litigating, sending warning letters out to companies in the nasal hygiene space. Our competitors, Neomed, received one. Navage received one. Mm. Aladine received one. Mm-hmm. Blue Willow received one. We received one. 
Mm. Every one of these companies received one that said, stop sharing these studies. Wow. And everybody else kind of backed down. They stopped doing research. They stopped publishing studies. And I'm like, no, we have a right to share this. It's published in the medical literature. It's in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It's in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's in, you know, all these journals, Journal of Clinical Virology. I mean, there's a wide number. I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. But these are studies that have been published. They've been peer-reviewed. Why is the government telling us we can't share it? Well, let's explain what happens when you get one of these FTC warning letters. Typically, what they'll say is, you know, you, you, you're publishing information that uh, violates whatever, you know, they'll mention some statute that FTC has some jurisdiction over. And they'll say, you know, this is, uh, you know, we ask you that you remove this information in, uh, you know, in some, within some time frame, within five days or, you know, one month or whatever. And typically, um, it's very expensive to go against the government. The government has virtually infinite resources and, you know, a small private company or even a large private company doesn't want to spend uh, thousands and thousands and potentially hundreds of thousands and potentially, you know, millions, millions of dollars millions. fighting the government, you know, who has, you know, basically salaried employees whose job it is to litigate. And so uh, these the, the simple solution is to say, Okay, fine. We'll take down the information because you know it's like uh, the cost of doing business, and you know we'll, we'll we could just uh, uh, stay alive here. Uh, they're not going to. They'll say, "Fine, okay, thank you for taking everything down. Uh, go ahead and make claims that are like supports respiratory health." You know, you can maybe say that, right? Uh, something along those lines. Something kind of weasel words. Uh, but you took a different path and, frankly, uh, a costly and you know, an emotionally exhausting path. So what happened in your case? Um, in our case, we actually shared the science. And so to, to give a backstory to it, when I started CLEAR in 2000, you know, I came off the oil rigs where I was working. I didn't know what I was doing. I started a company. We put some ads out there. And we went out and we put in these ads that using this nasal spray could prevent ear infections because that's what my dad had done. He Mm -hmm. had used it on these kids and prevented ear infections. You were naive because you thought you're just telling the truth, and but then you didn't realize that you were working in this kind of regulatory environment where making a medical claim, just making a medical claim, is controversial, right? So, but yeah, but what happened then, and this tells you the difference between what has happened in our government is because in 2000, I want to say 2000, 2001, I got a letter from the FTC. And it said, hey, we need to talk. Call us. And I called the person. I was on the phone with them for probably 45 minutes an hour. And what they pointed out is they said, you have a study that's been published in the medical literature that shows that xylitol blocks bacterial adhesion. You can say that because you have a study published in the medical literature. Mm -hmm. And if you look at our packaging... There's a graph on the side of it showing how xylitol blocks bacterial adhesion. Mm-hmm. It's been on there for 20 years. Well, after that, we went back, we, 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 and they, they said you can say it blocks adhesion, but you can't say that it prevents ear infections because you don't have any studies published mm-hmm. in the medical literature that are peer-reviewed you know, and, and show this. And because my dad had done it, and he had submitted it to publication, but nobody ever accepted it right. because it was just a little pilot study. I mean... Mm-hmm. He did it with maybe 20 kids. Um, and then the, the irony of that is we actually, after that, we went and did a study in the Czech Republic where we looked at a bunch of kids. I think it was 160 kids. 
and utilizing our xylitol nasal spray actually reduced their incidence of ear infections by about 80%. Wow. And when we, when we submitted that to publication in one of the pediatric journals here, the editor said, there's no way this data is true. We're not publishing it. Hmm. Which was kind of a, a slap in the face because we just spent all this money. The doctors did it, and they still want to publish it. Well, but you know, just, just what, parenthetically, if, if Pfizer had published such a study, uh, I'm pretty sure they, it would have gotten the attention of the, that particular, any number of medical journals uh, where oh, uh, appearing on the pages of those medical journals are ads for some of the products of, made by Pfizer, you know, because there's a really nice, yeah. uh, you know, uh, revolving door relationship between the medical journals and pharmaceutical companies. One hand uh, feeds the other. Yes, and that's very true. But so this person at the FTC, he told us, he said, yeah, you can make the claim that it blocks adhesion. You can't do this. And so we understood the ground rules. We went forward. Right. We never had another run in, another question ever with our government. You played by the rules. COVID. Right. We played by the rules. And even when, <clears throat> and even when COVID came along, we continued to play by the rules because we didn't, we've never made a claim of blocking viruses because we've never looked at them. Right. But when COVID came along by April, uh, March, April, we started getting phone calls from pulmonologists telling us that we needed to look at our product because something in it was working really well with our patients that had COVID. And so we're like, well, okay. So we actually sent our product to a virology lab at Utah State University. And all these papers are on our webpage. You can go look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they did is they, they did a study and they said, yeah, your nasal spray annihilates this virus. In fact, it's killing it, deactivating it mm-hmm. um, as quickly as a 70% solution of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was a xylitol. Which, by the way, you wouldn't want to put too- up your nose. You wouldn't want to put up, I mean. Uh, yeah, don't put alcohol up. Yeah, next time, you know, you do tequila shots, just, you know, do them orally. Don't do it up your nose because it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It hurts. Big time. It hurts. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, we, so we actually broke it down. And what we found out is that the grapefruit seed extract in the nasal spray is what was actually destroying this, this virus. Mm, okay. And then... About the same time we got that, there was a paper that came out of out of uh, University of Tennessee, where they actually showed that xylitol blocks adhesion of SARS-CoV-2. Okay, and we're like, oh my gosh, well that's so, crazy. So, 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 so we, just to summarize, the grapefruit kills the virus, but the xylitol doesn't kill the virus, but it blocks the adhesion of the virus, which in some ways is is just as good. So it's kind of a dual a dual action. Yeah, Cor- correct, wow. and that's okay. that's great. I mean, you can use saline, and saline is just physically pushing it away and removing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we also have saline, so you're getting three ways that it works. Better. Like like washing it but, away, um, like a physical, like, uh, cleansing kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But So we submitted all of this information to the government, to the CDC. We submitted it and asked, hey, can we do a big scale, a large scale clinical trial on humans? And the FDA came back and said, no. You know, we don't allow drug action studies to be done with cosmetics because our product is a cosmetic. Mm-hmm. It cleans. It's a mm-hmm. hygiene product. Mm-hmm. It's not a drug. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't allow us to do that. And then we went and we tried to file with an EUA so that we could get an exemption so that we could actually talk about how nasal hygiene actually could help with COVID. And the FDA was actually working with us, going down that process. And then all of a sudden, and it seemed like they were Hey, let's do something. We can do something. We got some, we can get some stuff. And they had someone that was helping us. And what we found out later in our lawsuit 
with the government. Because you had the discovery. discovery process. Right. Yes. Is that somebody from the FTC called the FDA. Oh. And from the day of that phone call, mm-hmm. the FDA did nothing but give us grief and ask us stupid questions. I, I, I mean, see. Some so of the so it's sort of like back- they, they put the kibosh on it because they said, look, uh, you could potentially undermine our case against this company uh, by validating their claims. So put a stop to this now. Something of that nature. Yeah. We don't know what was talked about. We, we will be doing depositions and we'll find out what was what was discussed on that phone call. Wow. If they're honest, which I honestly don't believe they would be. Yeah. Um, but. From that point on, the FDA started asking us questions like, what time of day were the grapefruits harvested that you got the grapefruit seed extract from? What yeah. field in Florida were they harvested from? Uh, uh, it's like, you know, questions you can't answer. Yeah. And we realized that, you know. That, they were going to paper you to we death. Going they were going to paper anyone. you to death. Yes. Right. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Anyways, so that's, I mean, those are the things that we tried to do. We tried to do everything the way you're supposed to do it. When you have a functioning government, a government that has people that actually want solutions mm-hmm. rather than to stay at a narrative that doesn't work. Yeah. And so anyway, so we started sharing more of these research studies and the FTC called, you know, they sent us another warning letter and said, hey, mm-hmm. stop doing this yeah. or we're going to sue you. And I said, well, sue us. Because we as a citizen and we as a company, we have every right. To share mm-hmm. published information. I mean, mm-hmm. if we're making if we're making stuff up <clears throat> and sharing it, then obviously yeah. they can come after us. But we're not. And since they sued us, what we found out is that there were two people who kept writing them and asking them to to uh, you know go after us. And it was and it was an ex employee of mine who started a company competing with us. Ooh. And so those are the only, and it's his, him and his business partner, those are the only two letters the FTC ever received. Hmm. Okay, wow. so the FTC, they have not shown us a single victim. They haven't shown us a single person that's been hurt. They have nobody that's actually used the product and said, hey, it doesn't work. They, haven't, they don't have one study showing that it doesn't work. Right. We provided them with dozens showing why it does work. Right. And but see, they also ha- don't even have a single expert that will say that it doesn't work. But you see, see I don't think that that's the, the operant uh, principle here. I think that the operant principle is that they're saying, look, stay in your lane. You're, you're just, you know, you have an approval for an over-the-counter cosmetic product under the designation of natural. And if you want to make a big-time claim about a disease, uh, you got to be a big drug company. And, you know, if the, again, if this, this issued from, you know, Pfizer, you know, Glaxo, whatever, uh, you know, this would be something that they would take up seriously. But, uh, also, uh, as you know, in order to get a drug approval for something, you have to pay enormous fees. You have to undertake studies that cost, uh, tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to validate the product. And that's the pipeline. That's the pipeline for treating major health problems in America. And the natural uh, pipeline is relegated to sort of, yeah, you know, you can make weasel word claims, uh, but don't don't get carried away. You know, supports respiratory health. Yeah, we're okay with that. That, you know, fine. 
but then people uh, are not informed about the potential benefits uh, when faced with a, a crisis for which we have no real good pharmaceutical fixes. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's and and, it's, and the it's, thing. I'm the sorry. thing that I that I think that people should really understand is that hygiene, as much as our government and our public health officials deny that hygiene matters, because they do, um, they don't actively come out and say hygiene sucks, don't do anything. But, but when we were kids, you know, when you were a kid, when I was a kid, you would have hygienists that would come into the school every semester, once a semester. And they would teach you how to brush your teeth and they'd give you a toothbrush and you'd go home and they'd give you those little pink pills and you'd go look in the mirror and everybody would giggle and laugh. But they taught you how to brush your teeth and talk about the importance of, of oral hygiene. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that anymore. Yeah. No, because and, we've and surrendered to a pharmaceutical says, well, we paradigm. Our, we've surrendered to. We, 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 well, and, and the thing is, is that the CDC says, well, we don't have the funding to do it. And I'm calling bullcrap. Because they've got a lot of money. They've got enough money to buy vaccines. They've got enough money to do all kinds of research on vaccines. They've got, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got enough money that if they wanted to spend it in teaching people how to stay healthy, they could do it. And I think that would be much money much better spent than what they're spending, which is finding new drugs to treat, you know, some weird disease that, that affects 20 people. I don't know. Right. Well, you know, but but I do think or or to find, you know, sort of a a Rube Goldberg solution with a very powerful, expensive uh, antiviral treatment that has, you know, very serious side effects. uh, You know, that seems to be the direction which they favor. Do you have any uh, political allies here? Because uh, the FDA and the FTC are you know, ultimately at the behest of uh, the people and uh, the legislative branch of the government uh, can conduct hearings where sometimes they can uh, rein in some of the excesses of uh, regulatory agencies. Uh, and, they're, and they're doing it to some extent. You know, we're doing it in the field of, uh, you know, transportation when we hear, hold hearings about uh, the uh, Palestine-Ohio train derailings. And, you know, we're doing it uh, in other realms where we, we call uh, government bureaucrats to task for their response to, you know, certain uh, health and environmental challenges. Well, we I've been out to Washington a number of times, and we have some some senators and some Congress uh, people that are that are working with us. Um, but and we have some both from both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And the the interesting thing is that in all of my conversations with them. They're as frustrated and as pissed off <laughs> at these government agencies yeah. as the rest of us are. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the famous things you can say is, you know, Ron Johnson, Senator Johnson, when he asked the FDA to give him a bunch of information, and I can't remember what it was, but the FDA famously sent him a, a letter and all it was was black lines. <laughs> it was all redacted. Everything yeah. was redacted. redacted. And he yeah. held it up and he goes, this is what I get from the FDA. Yeah. And he held it up. Yeah. And that's what the FDA, I mean, they're so opaque in what they're doing, and they're like, "Well, you know, we don't want to share this information. Well, why, why, why does the FDA not want to share information? I mean, it's not like they're the CIA. It's not like you're going to reveal some some exactly. sources, right? Yeah. You know, the FDA should not be should not be redacting, especially when they're they're being questioned by a senator. Mm-hmm. It's just it's absurd that they're sitting in there, and it's and in, this is my opinion is that you have bureaucrats that are in there now that have been in there for decades, they don't care what the elected people say. The elected people come and go. 
it's the it's the bureaucrats that are in there and you know like the lawyers that are that are that are fighting us that are pushing this lawsuit at the FTC I cannot for the life of me think of a solution think of a reason why one of them is uh, he has a law degree from Harvard okay Sam Levine mm-hmm. um you know then you have Keith Fenton Miller who went to university I think it's the University of Michigan but these are educated people mm-hmm. it doesn't take much education to understand that hygiene, that if you're getting sick in your nose, that physically washing that out, that's not a big leap. But yet these guys knowingly and understanding what it does, they're going after and suppressing this information right. and people are getting sick and dying. I mean, uh, they've been I, I suppressing think, this information about COVID yeah. since early 2020. I think that there's a careerist aspect to that because they are basically hired guns. Uh, their job, their job, they believe, is to suppress what they term harmful information, uh, and uh, you know, rein in, uh, you know, because frankly, there is FTC does some good because there are some very fraudulent things out there, some very wackadoodle claims about you know, uh, put in this uh, you know CD-ROM and it's going to send out vibrations that uh, destroy the viral envelope. So they say, look, I'm, we're just doing our workmanlike job. Uh, you know, we want to. Uh, you know, score some victories here. Uh, they can then go on to a lucrative career in a law firm, uh, you know, potentially defending uh, the pharmaceutical industry and or maybe they can get hired by the pharmaceutical industry as uh, people because there's a there is a revolving door between those industries where they can then help to grease the wheels for approval of drugs. Uh, they just want this. This may be a resume enhancer for them uh, or what they consider part of their their job. You know, they're hired guns for the government. So, you know, uh, it, rationally, it doesn't make sense because they're doing harm to public health, but they don't see it that way. They just see it as another case for them to win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and I, I agree with you, which, in my opinion, you can pick a case that you think you're going to win and go fight it, even though you know it's wrong. Yeah. But if by doing so, you are causing, you're taking away a solution to a deadly problem. That's that's evil. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's what they're doing. And I'm not talking about taking away our product because in in early 2020, we didn't have any studies with our product. We understood how it worked. We understood that there would probably be some good benefit. But there were studies that were done at at Vanderbilt University using saline. They were paid for by the NIH. Mm-hmm. And what they did, they had all these people, all of them over the age of 65, all of them had comorbidities. All of them had COVID. All of them tested positive. All they did was use saline irrigation, and right. then under a week, every single one of them was better. Well, under under that, and our so government under that concept, it would be illegal to tell people to wash their nose for for uh, for COVID. You know, just with like uh, yeah, salt water, like using a neti pot or something. Uh, where can people? That's uh, exactly what they did. Where can people uh, stay uh, abreast of your travails? And I might also mention that uh, the Alliance for Natural Health, of which I'm medical director, is uh, taking part in, uh, you know, trying to publicize your case uh, and supporting you. So uh, you can go to anh-usa.org, you know, where we take up a lot of these types of causes. But where can people find out more about uh, your? Uh, you know, how much can you divulge and how much are you sharing with the public? Um, I, I'll divulge all of it with the public. I've got nothing to hide. I mean, Good. if they, I mean, I talk about it on podcasts. I've talked about it on the radio. Um, if they go to our webpage, they can find some of the documents that they have. 
Um, we just did the depositions of the two people. Um, and as soon as we get those back and, and go through them, I mean, we're going to post them up on our webpage in, in raw form. Uh, you know, again, I've got nothing to hide. I've been completely honest with what the research is. I have not made a single claim that isn't backed up by a research paper. Uh, you know, so we're putting it out there. Okay. Well, I got to commend you because it's an extremely courageous stand that you're taking because it requires certainly emotional fortitude, uh, but it also requires a big uh, dollar commitment because, uh, you know, you could have simply, you know, it's kind of like a poker game. Uh, you know, you got a hand and somebody's bluffing you and you just say, I'm going to fold and you keep the pot. <laughs> and that's not something that you've done. So, uh, yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got a great hand. Okay. I've got a great hand. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, I got a lot of research backing it up. And, and I think that, that pushing back on this is, I mean, it's not that I wanted to do it. I think it's a moral responsibility to do the right thing. Well, I, I, I agree with you. It's just that, uh, in this day and age, uh, I think it's a rare commodity who people stick to their guns, uh, at, uh, you know, personal, uh, expense. And I think that, you know, what you're doing is, is really a beacon for uh, the industry because too often uh, we're intimidated and we too often we just uh, live again to fight another day, so to speak. So good for you. You can find out about uh, the products. Uh, Spry Dental products are available at Wegmans, the Vitamin Shop, Sprouts, Farmers Markets, Natural Grocers, and most natural market retailers. And they can also be purchased online, including Amazon. Uh, same thing for clear nasal products. Uh, congratulations, you got them into Walgreens, uh, CVS, Vitamin Shop, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, all the big uh, chains. Uh, and so uh, the website is clear, X-L-E-A-R dot com. Uh, Nate Jones, uh, thank you for the, the update. Uh, you know, it's always fascinating to talk to you. And, uh, you know, much uh, courage in, you know, going forward with this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, as always, it's, it's been a good discussion. Indeed, it has. I'm Dr. Ronald and, Rothman. By the way, let me put... Sure, go. Oh, can, I, can I put in there? Your yes. listeners, if any of them have any questions about yes. Xylitol or anything, feel free to email our company. Just go to our, on our webpage. I mean, if you have a question yeah. about Xylitol, about sugars, please uh, send us an email and we'll do our best to answer those questions. Okay, and, and so, just go on there. I think you just send it into sales at clear.com. Sales at clear, X-L-E-A-R.com. Great stuff. Thank you so yeah. much for being so forthcoming and being such a resource to our listeners. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.